When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Fright School. Are you ready? Class is in session. Welcome back to Fright School. Fright Hello, school. Joe. Ah, ah. <laughs> the cock, the caca, caca, caca. That does nothing to do with the subject matter. No. Uh, yeah. Anyways, welcome back. Here we are, another fun day. How are you doing, Joe? I'm doing well, Joshua. How are you? I'm doing well. I just said day instead of night, so oh. now it's the, the the illusion has been crushed. Although we are actually recording at night. I know. Why did you say day then? Jeez. <sighs> it's like I can't. I can't stay on brand. You anyways. Joe, do you want to introduce our special guest who's in the room with us today? I would love to. Y'all, this is a very pleasant day for me because this is a fright school when worlds collide. Um, All of my worlds are colliding today. Um, As you may know, because you're such a great fan, our many listeners we have, uh, I also do another podcast uh, talking about art called Art Time of the Month. And uh, this uh, lovely week, we have uh, my co-host from that podcast, Miss Wendy. Hey. Hi, Miss Wendy. Hi, guys. I'm so excited to be here with you two queens. Hey. Yes. Not to be confused with the two dope queens. No. Oh. Though you are. Though we are. We Though are not. Are. Hey. Yes. But you should definitely be listening to them. For real. Uh, <laughs> yeah. No, I'm so excited. I'm really excited to be here. Yeah. Consider I know nothing about horror. Yes. Um, but I'm really As excited that brand. we found this like cool little pocket for me to fit in in your podcast. So. Exactly. Today, it's kind of, it's the perfect episode because it's like, you know, it's lots of gay musical stuff for Joe. Yes. You know, and you mm-hmm. and the horror for me. So yes, we are going to discuss 1986 uh, Little Shop of Horrors a little later in the podcast. But yes, we're very, very excited. Uh, We've become a little more egalitarian on this podcast because, you know, in a recent episode, which you should have listened to, where we went to the La Jolla Playhouse, it was a rom-com slash horror play, mm-hmm. which you know, rom-com for me, horror for you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. So, you know, we're getting a little bit more, uh, you know, eventually we're going to do like, you know, Irreversible and Martyrs and well, maybe not. But. <laughs> no, it's true. Yeah. There's going to be, yeah, there's days where Pretty I have soon to put you my guys will down. just be breaking down like Elizabethan dramas and stuff. Exactly. And, you know, <laughs> and calling it horror. It's okay. Yes. It's all good. Just all inclusive. There's a, there's a lot of horrifying things about an Elizabethan <laughs> well, yeah, it's drama. Fun. Yeah, well, yeah. There's, yeah, there's plenty of things that Joe finds horrifying or that I find horrifying that mm-hmm. the other does not. So. We're going to do Memoirs of a Geisha one day, and yeah. it's going to be great. That's a running joke on this horrific. show. Horrific, yes. yes. Sex slavery is horrific. For yes. Real. For real. I'm, I'm here for it. But anyways, before we take that deep dive into... Uh, you know, Skid Row, we're going to uh, get caught up on the week. So what's everybody doing? Anybody reading anything? Drinking? 
<laughs> Today's episode is brought to you by Apothic White. They're not paying. <laughs> they're not paying us anything. You're and also them. by <laughs> Donuts. Yes, yes. Donuts. I did bring a bag of frosted donuts with us. Oh you brought God. and the chocolate and bag. the chocolate yes. frosted. But I always like the powdered donuts because yes. it looks like you're doing powder drugs. You're yeah, not. That's true. You're not. You're not. You're eating delicious donuts. But it looks like it. But you can play. It's Although, fine. Wendy, the number one drug in America is sugar. Yeah. <laughs> 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 oh, it's not funny. Um, no. no, I was very pleasantly uh, surprised <laughs> to see you bring those. I'm like, this is awesome. <laughs> I'm like, this is a fun gas station dessert I can buy. I, awesome. I Great. I love it. <laughs> No, it's so wonderful. And it, you know, after I, because you had plans today is, is father's day. Mm -hmm. So people that have dads, you know, had to do stuff with them. Uh, and so I assume that you were doing. No, I was not doing a father's day related. Oh, you weren't. I was not. I was doing a godmother duty. Oh, so my father is in New York. So I never see that fool on his day ever. (laughs) And I never see my mother on Mother's Day either. So. Hey, Mike, he hates me. <laughs> mm. <laughs> Josephine and my dad have beef going on right now. Oh, wow. It's a long, complex story. And yet, my father texts him on his birthday. Like, oh, that's sweet. I know. But it was like, it's a you love, know, hate it was like, happy birthday, you know, I still hate you. <laughs> Just to remind me. Yes. It's fun. Um, well, I like his style. You know, today I was at a dance recital for my goddaughter. Okay. And you know I live and die for a good dance recital. So bring yeah. me the costumes, the tap shoes, the glitter costume sequin fringe, girls on point shoes. I oh, was yes. like, I will wear that outfit yeah. on Tuesday and that one on Thursday. That one for Christmas Eve. I'll wear this one on flag day, you know, I'm a fan of a dance costume. I a hundred percent. I am too. Actually, probably <laughs> one of the few things that's known about me is I love dance. I will watch all those dance shows. I love it. I, Do you watch something... Dancing with the Stars? No, not that. Although, Do you well, watch no. So you I think will you watch. Can dance? I'll watch the like the videos of the dances, but I won't watch like the drama the of it. Show? I, oh. I like the dancing. Mm. I like to watch the dances. You're in um, it for the dance. Yeah, I enjoyed like I watch like those first few seasons of Dance Moms. Even I fast forward through a lot because I just want to see the girls I've never dance. seen an episode of Dance Moms. It was just fun to watch like the because some of them are incredible dancers uh-huh. and your like mind is blown especially now seeing them 10 years later yeah. actually like working you're like oh my gosh I knew she was going to be a beautiful dancer when mm-hmm. she got older. You know so it's kind of it, it's neat for that but I don't all the drama and stuff it's like uh, this is kind of a little bordering on child abuse sometimes. Mm-hmm. It's scary mm-hmm. you know and that Abby Lee Miller needs help but didn't she go to jail yeah yeah she did yeah but then she got sick and all this whole stuff i don't blah blah whatever blah 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 but yeah like the drama but but i I, yeah i love to watch uh, people dance the human body's incredible yeah Yeah. anyway back to me right sorry (laughs) um (laughs) it was my goddaughter's first dance recital and she's five that's amazing and she had a two-show day y'all oh she's a professional i that's what i kept telling her and she was in two numbers, so she had a costume change. Huh. And I asked her if she had a costume change with tights, and she said yes. Ooh. This is a big deal. Yeah. Wow. I know. I asked her if her costumes were on hangers that had her name labeled. She said, yeah, they did. 
And there were people backstage who helped me. I was she like, had um, homegirl, you are such a pro. I was so proud of her. She's going to be dancing. Cool. She's going to be jumping up and down to too damn hot Listen, soon. <laughs> me being super crying in the audience, Aunt Wendy, just living my best life. God, and I love it. So that was my, those were my plans. That's amazing. <laughs> Nothing to do with fathers. Everything right. to do with dance recital. I, I get, yeah, that was my pro. I did, and, and we're, you know, we're so professional here that we pre plan all of this. So we, <laughs> we totally discuss beforehand. Yes. Uh, Joe, did you see your dad then? I did, uh, okay. yes. Well, yes, I did. Hey. We went to, we went to brunch. You went to brunch. Okay. Um, went to mm-hmm. lovely lobster brunch. Yes. Because um, they know you're a homosexual now. Yes, so. exactly. So we're all Take about all about a brunch. Where'd you go to brunch? Uh, we went to we went to a lovely casino for an all you can. Hey, brunch. now was it a rock lobster? It was. I don't know. I don't eat shellfish, so mm. it was. I just get it and I and I give it to my parents because that's what Got I it. do. Because it's it's one lobster tail per person uh, at a, one at a time. So, at a time, yeah. you know. Uh, but yes, he did. And then um, waiting for a little bit for Joshua to be available, I uh, sat down to a blackjack table for like three hours and won $400. So there we go. What? I mean, go buy you. a girl dinner, y'all. I know. Damn. I know. And that girl is me. Ah, <laughs> and I buy me some queen. <laughs> Selfish queen, hey. Yeah. Share, share, that's fair. Uh, so, yes. I mean, and by one $400, I mean, like, of my initial investment, I gained 200 So, nice. you know, that's, that. that's not hey, bad. not bad. Uh, Madonna's new record came out this week. <laughs> yeah. That's what I've been doing. Hey, let's talk about Mad. Mm, have you listened? To the new Madonna record. Uh, I've listened to Medellin. Medellin. And Bitch, I'm Loca. Right. Okay. <laughs> because you wanted it, to hear Maluma again. Uh, because I want to hear Maluma, but also just like uh, our friend James, uh, James P. Darvis was just like, go to your phone right now and listen to Bitch, I'm Loca. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, okay. And I listen, and I'm like, okay, I... <laughs> As a as a gay who loves pop music, I am kind of here for this. Yeah. Um, so yes. Yeah, so those are the only two songs I haven't listened to anything else. I'm not as big of a Madonna fan as like you or James is, and just mainly because I only like the hits. You know, I'm right. You introduced me to a couple deep cuts every now and then. That's just like oh yeah, adding that to my playlist. But you know, I'm not a I'm I'm not a like let's go. Let's go listen and yeah. I'm not that. Yeah, you're not gonna spend eight hundred dollars yeah. on a ticket. I'm still waiting it. for Madonna <laughs> to get her Kennedy Center honor. There, I said it. You know, oh. I think what happens with those kinds of things is she's the one that says no. She she keeps refusing lifetime achievement awards. You really? Know? Yeah. I she's, have not heard that at all. Yeah. And normally yeah. the Kennedy tried. Center like announces who they offer it to and then it's refused. I've never heard that it's, she's been offered. Yeah, I think that she's been difficult with a few of those things. Like she's been better lately, you know, mm-hmm. like she did the Billboard music, the women uh-huh. and music thing and she might be more open to it now but I know 10, 15 years ago she's like, I'm not fucking done people. I'm not dead. She's not done but so also, she gets hey a Madge, little. you're 60. Yeah, 61 in a couple months. I know. Yeah. And Madge, like accept your place in the canon of like American music and pop culture like that deserves a lifetime honor you know and plenty of people who are given those honors are not done yet yeah, exactly. Yeah, and I think that yeah, it's it's something like for the Reba fans. ain't done. That's true. Gloria Hello, Stephon cool is ain't not done. Gloria Stefan not That's done. True. Mm-hmm. It's very true. You know, and it was interesting because uh, you know we when we saw Rush uh, get inducted into the Hall of Fame, Jeff and I went to that because Jeff's a big Rush fan, and it was like you know they were like we didn't really give a fuck, but 
we love that our it makes our fans happy. They wanted to see us recognized as, and I think the same thing for Madonna. There's a lot of people that just want to see her get that recognition mm-hmm. before she's fucking dead, which is exactly what will happen. Mm-hmm. The second she dies, you know, Pierce Morgan will be giving some tearful eulogy <laughs> on there, even though he's a mm-hmm. raging piece of garbage. Like, every, you know, takes every opportunity to say some shit about her to keep his own name out there, you know. But it's like, yeah, I I would like to see that. Plus, I really like when they get people that come up and like do the music. Uh, it's, yeah, I, I love so seeing part that. of it. It's like, yeah. who are the people then who are going to step forward and honor you with your work? Yeah, like, like we saw Adam Lampert honor Cher yeah. in that yeah. beautiful moment. Like, yeah. I wanted. I feel like Madonna could have a million of those moments. Did I, you see the um, Rock and Roll Hall of Fame induction for her? No. So Justin Timberlake did the induction, and then Iggy Pop. <laughs> did Ray of Light and Burning Up, I think. Really? Yeah, it was very interesting. <laughs> it was like, oh, okay. So, I mean, it was fun. It was very Iggy Pop, yeah. you know, in, the, in that in that sense. All but, right, I'm here for it. What yeah. I have to contribute is that Iggy Pop and I have the same birthday. Hey, Wonderful. there yes. you go. I love that. Um, anyways, uh, yeah, so I was happy. That's kind of my, my gay thing of the week. It, it was fun to hear a new Madonna album because it's always exciting to hear something new. There's a couple good songs on it. There's some very experimental stuff that's way out there that again maybe in 10 years will be more appreciated kind of like erotica and some of her older stuff that was panned at first and now it's like oh this is you know iconic music uh you know once you get 10 15 years past Mm -hmm. uh it was just weird and there's some stuff of like that sounds like stuff i hear on the radio now so it's kind of like eh you know i don't know it's it's that weird mix i haven't heard any of it um Medellin and Bitch I'm Loca. And then you're, I mean, as if you're, they're just, they're fun. And they're also like, you know, she gets to speak Spanish since uh, La Isla Bonita. Serious, I know. Yeah. yeah. Was this her valid reason for missing the Met Gala this year? Because. Yeah, she was working on the Tel Aviv stuff Mm. that she did, the Israel thing. Uh, Okay, whatever, Madge. We missed you at the Met Gala. Uh, Yeah, I did. Priorities, bitch. Yeah, I like seeing what she Also, it was camp. I mean,. It was camp notes on fashion. Perfect. And also, like, I stand by the fact that the Met Gala is precisely Madonna's kind of event. Like, it's precisely oh, yeah. her event. It's exactly where she makes sense in the world. Yeah, like, I agree. that kind of batshit crazy. We talk about it every May. We do. Every yeah. May. On art time it. of the month. On art time of the month. Oh, plug, 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 plug it. Plug, plug, plug. <laughs> our uh, our uh, guest who's been on here before, TJ, uh, if you follow... Uh, him on the social medias uh, did a whole like listen and he tweeted like about each song or not tweet or posted. I don't, maybe he did tweet, but I saw it on Facebook uh, about each song as it went. It was pretty entertaining. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, if you follow Check him, I recommend out. checking it out because it was pretty funny. Just being like, <laughs> like eh, I don't like this one. Or, like, <laughs> this one I do like. So it was, it was, it was entertaining. Anyways, uh, what else? Any any other news or fun stuff? You went and saw a movie, Joe, without me. I fucking did. <laughs> <laughs> I invited you, but no. I know. No, someone wanted to stay on my nest. Right. <laughs> Jeffrey was gone in Las Vegas all last weekend, and uh, so we wanted to get caught up on uh, Game of Thrones. Must be nice. Anyway. Or we wanted to watch more Game of Thrones. Anyway. Um, I went actually with TJ. Thank you yes. for bringing him up. I went. I went with TJ um, and TJ's lady love. Um, it's a man, but 
TJ's it's a man. It's a man. But uh, I went with TJ and TJ's boyfriend, and we went to see Ma Octavia Spencer, uh, the new the new Octavia the new Blumhouse with uh, Octavia Spencer. And I got to tell you, when you see <laughs> when you see a uh, a movie that is about a black old black female like. You know, basically, she's the one who's responsible. Don't break it down too much. She's the one who's responsible. It. When you see do an it, episode. Yeah, well, let me, let me talk. Okay. Let me I just don't want to break it down too much there now. There it is. There when it is. You, fight, guys. Fight. 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 <laughs> That's why I'm here. Fight. I want to see you fight. <laughs> I want to see you scrap, like, unleash your claws, bitch slap each my other. Weave, take my, my earrings Snatch that weave. You could yeah. pull some hair on it's Joshua. Like, I'm Audra McDonald, and you are Laura Dern, and we have a beef now. Poor taste. I know. Um... No, when you see a movie like that with someone who is a professor of African history yeah. and, you know, who is our resident, what did he call himself? Our resident horror black. Um, <laughs> it, it, it adds just layers of layers of it. Trying not to do, but, you know. Yes. We could That's also mention that I fell in love with TJ at your birthday party. Yes, you did. We yes, did. you did. TJ and I are now lovers. He's... He's pretty fantastic. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We both, like, when we both walked into the lobby, we both looked at each other and and, and said... And instantly knew. Who was that? Both of us said that. At well, the you same were wearing time. your Who Abe Lincoln that? shirt that says "I hate the theater." <laughs> I yes, I have a T-shirt with Abraham Lincoln on it that says "I hate theater," and I wore that to Josephine's birthday party. At which point, TJ and I looked at each other, immediately fell in love, and made babies together. He's going to hear was this. Is this the Hedwig? Yeah, this mm-hmm. is the Hedwig. okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, TJ that. girl, I see you. Yes. What's up, boo boo? TJ's about to embark on a really great journey. He's, yes. uh, he's going to... He's traveling. Uh, he's traveling uh, to Aotearoa, um, the, that is the indigenous name, but New Zealand for everyone else. Solid. Uh, for like three months. So, you know, good. Wow. We'll, we'll, we'll produce content for you to listen in your ear holes, TJ. Okay. Right in your ear holes. But yes, uh, hurry but you up. Enjoyed and, it. Yes, hurry up and see it because we're right, talk about it right away. So yeah. he, what is he called? Of your resident it's horror black. A, a, a resident horror black. <laughs> God, yeah. so awful and awful. There's awesome. this whole thing about like he. <laughs> when you see it, you're gonna make sense when I say this. But there's a something happened, and he went, "Oh, Africa," <laughs> and it's just. I it's really see great. It. Yeah, that's one of the uncomfortable things about doing this kind of show where we want to, you know, have analysis and we want to have thoughtful analysis and we also want to have different, like, you know, voices represented. But it's like it does kind of force you to be like, will you come on and be like a black voice on our show? <laughs> will you fulfill Without this being specific the bla- demographic yeah. for me? Thanks. Which is awful, but it's like hard because it's like, yeah. you know, we do the show and we're talking about feminist stuff and then we get criticized like, we well, don't have any women on the show. Hi, I'm right here. Hi. No, right, of course. And we've asked, and you know, you ask people to come on, like, please come in and talk, or it's like, you know, hi, you're a black woman friend of mine. Will you come on and talk about this? You know, it's... Mm It's very awkward. It's uh, like, are you a lesbian? Please come on and right, talk about yeah, lesbianism. Yeah, yeah. We're looking for lesbians right now yes. to come onto the show for some films that we want to <laughs> Adrian, are you an attorney? Like, please, right, exactly. Please come talk about this, the yeah. law and this particular movie. Yeah, so it, just, it are feels Are you a teacher? Awkward. Come and talk to us. Exactly. We'll do the faculty and yeah. you can come and watch <gasps> it. Exactly. Yeah. Um, all right, so... Before we dive into Little Shop of Horrors, um, I do I, w- I do want to talk a little bit about. So this uh, when were the Tonys last week? As of they recording were. this, yes, yes. When we're, while we're recording, June ninth. Okay, yes, the ninth. So I did not. I record them, and usually I'll like watch 
um, like the performances. I and watched stuff. them in real time and took copious notes, Joshua. I, I'm sure you did because you guys sure don't have did. a whole episode. We had a right? whole like four hour episode about it. Yeah, <laughs> Wonderful. Time. So unle- so the difference between the main structural difference between Art Time of the Month and Fright School is that in Fright School, Joshua and I experience things together, together yeah, and yeah. in Art Time, we make the conscious decision to not experience things okay. together, so that we can like then get so together we, and kiki about it exactly for all of the children. <gasps> kiki for yeah. Marissa. Uh, that yes. means yes, you know, Marissa Kiki having a Kiki. little hang, having a chat. Yes, not to be confused with Kai Kai, which is a totally different totally thing. different thing. Yes, Marissa, look that up. Look up a Kai Kai, please. <laughs> yes, look up a Kai Kai, <laughs> but not not on Pornhub. Uh, anyways, so <laughs> Joe falls away from the microphone. <laughs> So, so on the Tonys, the Tonys they had, a, first of all, they had the, the wonderful Catherine O'Hara come out. Oh, to, God, she's perfection. She is. And she was adorable in her black and white dress. She was the best Tim thing Bur- about that whole she, thing. Yeah, I thoroughly enjoyed that. But she was on there, too. You know, obviously, she was part of um, 1988's Beetlejuice as Delia Dietz. And so she was there to introduce the cast, the Broadway cast of Beetlejuice, the musical, the musical, the musical. And, uh, yes, that's there the noise I make about that. There were thoughts. <laughs> I had thoughts. And then I was like, okay, you know, it was cute, whatever. I enjoyed the little part where the whole choir did the na, 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 na. Like they just had that little moment. I was like, oh, okay, maybe I need to listen to this then. Mm-hmm. So I went to work on Monday or whatever that was. And I put on the soundtrack and I listened to the whole thing. Recording. The the sound tr- the, 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 the yeah the original Broadway, Broadway cast, cast recording. recording sorry soundtracks are for yeah. movies recordings are for Broadway musicals OBC yes. okay original Broadway cast <laughs> yes I original was, Broadway company as yes. Catherine called them I all I need I, I only say that because one of my friends who's a huge theater person who also works in the theater I said soundtrack and he was like recording Joe and I was like oh okay. that's correct hey, though and I think me. that I'm especially correct. when we're like talking about artistic yeah. things it's very important to get specific with language that's why like I always tell my kids that like when they say can I practice out here can rehearse I do? But, like you mean rehearse Right. You mean rehearse because practice is for a soccer scrimmage, but I agree. <laughs> rehearsal is for what we're doing here. So Joshua, yeah. I apologize. I didn't mean to come for you. No, I, just, I, no, I didn't want did. the theater queens to be. I didn't want the theater queens to come for us. No, no we're you did. trying you meant to, to be. come for him. Claws out. Fight. 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 We're no. We're fight, here to fight, be. Fight. This is a school. I am inciting violence. <laughs> this is a school, and I'm the fucking teacher. Yes. What up? <laughs> fight. 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 <laughs> So anyways, I listened to it. Okay. And I was like... (laughs) That was annoying. They had had such great source material to work from, you know? And it's a movie that was made in the 80s. It's, I mean... You know, you. I guess you could really play with the time frame that it's set in. I mean, who knows? You know, but it's like they have Danny Elfman's killer... Orchestrations and that and that and the original movie soundtrack. I mean, is filled with incredible music to base a musical on, and then they just go for this like typical pop. Like I feel like I don't. Whatever happened with Wicked? Like Wicked was like such a success that they just every musical after that. I feel like they just take that blueprint of like the way it sounds and apply it to everything. Like I hear so many musicals that all the songs sound like defying gravity or like the frozen movie, like let it go. Like, I I don't know. I mean, this is just me Mm -hmm. uh, being outside of 
you know, but it's like, I've listened to stuff. I've listened to like the Mean Girls sound, um, cast recordings or um, like the SpongeBob the Musical. I mean, I, I liked Kinky Boots. I'm a big Cyndi Lauper fan though. So that's mm-hmm. probably, I I maybe was a little bit more forgiving because I like her and I, I heard her approach in the music. But I just feel like, th- like listening to it, this Beetlejuice musical, I'm like, there, there was nothing memorable about it. No, it just nothing. felt so, and I'm curious about your recent experience because you went to see King Kong the musical, which I thought, that Yo. looks so cool, the puppetry of it and all of that, especially with talking about Little Shop, you know, doing something massive on stage and very interesting. But I don't know if that was true for the music either. Well, it's like you said, like, um, this the source material is so strong, right? Yeah. And we have source material from all of these great movies and that's what people are pulling from and then it's getting diluted by like layering mediocre music on it. Yeah. Um, And so, you know, we're seeing this trend of like classic movies becoming Broadway musicals. Rocky. Why am I drawing a blank right now? Rocky, King Kong. What else? Well, obviously. Kinky Boots. uh, Tootsie. Um, uh, upcoming is uh, Back to the Future. Back to the Future. Mrs. Doubtfire is coming in in 2020. Yeah. Like, there's so many things that Pretty Woman on Broadway, like all of these. Bridges of Madison County. Exactly. Mystic Pizza with my girl, yeah, Melissa yeah, Etheridge, yeah. is going to yeah. write. Um, you know, A Bronx Tale, all of these movies that were like classic, beautiful movies. And we can't just leave them alone because I think Broadway really gets it right when they step out with original pieces, a la Come From Away, a la uh, The Hades Town, and yeah. those are musicals that sound different and are unique. And when Wicked came out, Wicked sounded different. No, oh yeah, nothing against was, Wicked. No, no, not yeah, at yeah, all. Yeah. I know, but like that was original, and yeah. the reason it was so groundbreaking was because that was an original musical, you know. And Broadway right now, you see like the big hits are hits that are original pieces and things that come out, you know, wicked was, you know, backing it up like decade by decade, like, you know, 20, 30 years ago, 20 years ago. Now rent was the first like kind of blockbuster original musical coming out. That wasn't a revival. Cause Chicago was a revival. Yeah. That was like a blockbuster, not blockbuster, but you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, it was yeah, a smash. It was yeah. a smash. Absolutely. It was a smash, but it was a revival mm-hmm. really well done and long running revival, but still, so, so, like, Wicked was original, you know? And everyone was, like, rushing to see this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Great, cool. Then Wicked was what started, like, the... I'm sorry, lies. Rent. I'm getting my decades confused. Rent was what started, like, the lottery and the student rush tickets, right? Yep. So Rent was really the first thing that had, like, lines around the block and all of that, you know? Cuts it 10 years later, then it was Wicked. Cuts it 10 years later, it was Hamilton, you know? Like, they're all the original shows are the ones that are that are um, meaty and meaningful and have content in it that feels new and refreshing. But, but we're just... <laughs> yeah, but let's also not forget like the, the, the musical that has the most Tony wins is an adaptation of a film. It's the producers. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think like from there, so if you want to take it, so like Rent, and then from producers to year 2000, you have um, uh, all of a sudden it's getting clocked from there as like, ah, maybe we can adapt. Other- and then that led to Young Frankenstein. That led to, you know, all these other things too. But uh, I feel the like- The producers was a musical first. Was it a musical first? It was a musical first, and then Mel Brooks made it the movie. <sighs> 
I'm getting schooled today. Yeah. Fight, fight. I love it. Fight, fight, fight. No, oh. the musical. I the did producers. not know that. Yeah. yeah. With Matthew Broderick and Nathan Lane. No, 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 no. It was it was a movie. The 1970 movie with um uh it was a nineteen seventy something movie, Mel Brooks with um with Was it a musical Wilder. then though? No, it wasn't. It was just a it was just a movie. That's what I'm okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And then when they did the musical musical. Got it. Yeah. So, and then so, it was Mel Brooks reinventing his musical. own material. And then a movie. I, yeah, exactly. Yes. They did a like hairspray. hairspray yeah. The movie. Hairspray mm-hmm. the musical. Hairspray the movie musical. Yeah. <laughs> Which I find really interesting. Hairspray like, the TV musical. Those. Sorry. I find those kinds of things really interesting. Mm-hmm. Like the journey of the same show in a lot of different iterations. Yeah. Like Hairspray, like the producers. Yeah. Well, I mean, the movie we're discussing today, Little Shop of Horrors, started as a nineteen. 19- yeah. You know, 60s, Roger Corman, The Little Shop of Horrors, you know, on a fucking bet two that they could film. record. Yeah, yeah, two, three-day movie. And, you know, so I'm not even criticizing that. Like, you can, there's a rich history of Broadway pulling from film, mm-hmm. pulling from plays, like Anti-Mame, yep. you know, as a book, and then yeah, a play, yeah, yeah. and then a musical, and then a movie musical, and, you know, on yeah. and on and on. Pigmillion. You know, yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yep. Yeah, so like that's not even the problem I have. What I the problem that I have is this like commercialization of like okay, and that's where we're at. I think now yes. in 2018, 2019, and the 2010s, you know, we've landed in this commercialization. Why can't I say that word? Commercialization. Yeah, where everything sounds Broadway. the same. It sounds the same, but also it's like looking for the blockbuster, looking for the movie that was a hit that I can make a hit on Broadway. Yeah. Instead of just making a really good meaty story on Broadway cuz it can go both ways, you know. Yeah. Yeah. I just feel like I guess probably like because I'm a musician you know, I also have a lot of respect for you know, like Hades Town for instance. The record, the original it's Aeneas. Aeneas. Okay, yes. cuz I always want to say Aeneas, but Aeneas Mitchell like creating this incredible folk rock opera like as, you know, as a as a starting point, you know, like I'm going to make this thing and then it gets adapted to Broadway and it, it retains that original sound. So it has like this folky twenties, thirties kind of vibe to it, you know, and then they do the stage show, which is very, you know, depression era and it just all fits together. That's awesome. Little shop of horrors. It's set, you know, in the sixties, it's got the doo-wop kind of sound. The music applies to that mm-hmm. kind of time frame. I think of like, you know, Rocky Horror is very punk rock, you know, rock and roll music. That's mm-hmm. what it was based on. Hedvig and the Angry Inch. It, come, it came out of the club scene and the music retained that, you know, it matched. And so listening to like the Beetlejuice soundtrack or some of these other like big blockbuster or whatever, quote unquote, like, you know, adaptations, there's just lacking in such originality, mm-hmm. like musically. Yeah. And I think that's what I just found really, really frustrating listening to to it. Because I'm like, you had such excellent source material. And I, I get like, you know, Danny Elfman is not available to write a musical. That's mm-hmm. fine. But we could have still played with some And I of think that. that there's something to be said, too, that like when the source material is that original and is like the beginning of Tim Burton, like, leave it there. Yeah. Leave it to be this perfect gem in our canon of pop culture like let it alone you know Betty Buckley wrote a really great rebuttal uh, recently about the sound of Broadway that you were just talking about you know and she said like 
you know, like the commercialization, like you were talking about, like things sounding like Wicked or or even like the different kinds of styles of music and stuff like that. Somebody wrote a really kind of scathing critique of Hadestown recently saying it doesn't sound like a Broadway show. And Betty Buckley wrote back or wrote some kind of rebuttal and said that Broadway is not a sound, it is an address. Mm. And that everything that we put on Broadway should be about story and about what we're saying, right? It's not about how we're saying it or what it should sound like. It shouldn't be a style. Broadway isn't a style. It's an address. And I thought that was a really powerful thing. Wow. That yeah. is. I, I dig that's that. That's very powerful. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's the thing. That's that's why I think that the shows that are really successful and that we do fall in love with because they have like, you know, a st- everything like there's just a cohesiveness. Mm-hmm. And that was the thing. The, the music of the Beetlejuice musical did not fit with this gothic tone. Same with the Addams Family musical. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm a huge Charles Chaz Adams fan. Love the Addams Family comic. Love the movies. Love the cartoons. Love the original 60s show. And then they make this music that just sounds so, like, banal. Like, everything else. You know? I'm like, where's, like, the kookiness? Like, you know, pick you know, pick a, a a theme to work in musically so that it doesn't sound like everything else. And I guess that's just kind of what it came down from, to, you know, for me with listening to the Beetlejuice thing. I'm like, you know, Lydia's big song could have been the song in any other fucking yeah. musical, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, yeah. that's kind of how I felt. It just lacked originality in that, in that manner. And I just hear that a lot in musicals and I am, I'm not a huge musical theater nerd. I love a lot of the horror stuff. I love Sweeney Todd and I love Rocky mm-hmm. Horror and I love Tommy. Of course, I'm a big Who fan, so I love the original Tommy as well. And I thought it, you know, the adaptation to the stage was awesome. You know, what a cool concept. Um, I figure one day the wall, you know, Pink Floyd's The Wall will show up, you know, as some sort of Broadway show, you know. And Jagged Little Pill is coming to Broadway. Yes, yeah. Jagged Little Pill is. Yeah. yeah. What do you think of that? Um, Have you heard any of the music? Well, it's no. Jagged Little Pill. Yeah. Are you an Alanis Morissette fan? I was a huge fan of that album okay. yeah. in the pocket of time that it came out. Of course, yeah. Um, I recently re-listened to that album, and I forgot a lot of like the heart and the good jams on it, you know? Yeah. Um, I don't know what they're going to do thematically to make that a storyline. Um, I'm curious, though. I'll, I mean, I'll try anything once, you know? Yeah, we'll I, de- I want to see it. I, I followed everything. I'm mm-hmm. on their mailing list. I get the updates. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I've, I've been very, very curious. And it's interesting, the story that they're trying to tell and talk about addiction and talk about, you know, all these sorts of issues mm-hmm. that the modern family, you know, goes through. So I, I'm excited. But again, you know, you hear the music and it's been given that. The wash musical, we're in a musical. You know, I feel like like the one, um, (laughs) the one show that didn't do that was American Idiot. Like Mm. they took Green Day's amazing album, and when they were putting it on Broadway, they didn't give it a Broadway sound, but instead gave it like a very delicate, different tone to it. Mm -hmm. So it felt like it was it was show ready. But it didn't feel like Broadway. It felt like it was this like almost stripped down version of a really pivotal album for them. I I don't know. I mean, we could we could break it all down. We could go all the way in on all the albums. Who knows? But yeah, no. But this is just something that you know, like I've mentioned before, I wanted to kind of discuss uh, with you in particular. You know, because of you know your your love. But so for King Kong though. 
to talk about King Kong and getting back to like the spectacle, like mm-hmm. of the puppetry and a horror, you know. Yeah, definitely. So I, when I saw promos for that, I am a puppeteer and a teacher, and I have been in love with puppetry since I've been teeny teeny, um, and that puppet. I was like, I don't care if that show sucks. I need to see that puppet before I die. Mm. And I did. And the show sucked. (laughs) The show sucked. (laughs) The show sucked. The puppet was amazing. Um, And we've talked about this on our time of the month. The show, um, there were so many, like I saw the like third or fourth understudy or something for Ann Darrow. um, And she was really, really disappointing. And then... um, the puppet was beautiful, incredibly amazing. Um, but then it was like the projections were, were just like overwhelming, yeah. you know? Yeah. So it was really just like. And that showed at the Tonys when they did their little feature did. about the puppet. It did. It really did. And really, you buy that ticket, you know you're going there to see the puppet. You're yeah. not going there to see projections. You're not going there to get, you know, dizzy by the speed of how fast those projections are moving. Mm-hmm. You're not going there to see like an or hear an amazing score. You're going there to see this fucking puppet, and it's it's glorious, and it yeah. is masterful, and it's beautiful. That being said, it's in the middle of a mediocre show. Yeah. Meh. Yeah, I showed some people at work that recently, and they were blown away. I was like, I hear the show sucks, but I mean, yeah. it is cool to see. And I think I, yeah. I I get that. I think people do probably go like, oh, I want to see this like cool puppet. But that's what's unfortunate is, you know, you have people who are working really hard and bringing this to life and have, and have dedicated hours and hours and hours and hours to build this thing and to make it work on stage in a way that audiences can suspend their belief that there's puppeteers involved. And, and it is beautiful. And so to have like the show be crap is really unfortunate (laughs) or not crap but you know to be mediocre Mm -hmm. to be like eh I mean that's you know that's the thing you know if if the cast album could have been any other fucking show like Mm -hmm. what you know my mom really enjoyed it my dad and I did not (laughs) 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 yeah is your mom not as discerning no my mom has been a theater goer for you know certainly my whole life beyond before my whole life but I think I don't know she was like what I'm really enjoying it and Mm -hmm. you know I think I'm just more of a judgy bitch than she is so (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but well, my dad said he turned okay. to me at intermission and he said if the puppet wasn't in the show would you care about it I said not a single fucking iota no yeah. no yeah. and and you know again to to not not to put too fine a point on it but like there all these shows as much as you know we may not like them um, some like little gay kid in Pocatello, Idaho, or on the island of Guam, you know, mm-hmm. like me, who is going to listen to this album or see the Tonys or what or what have you, is going to be inspired, of course, to yeah. to do Absolutely. this, right? So, yeah. like, I've been in. It's been interesting to kind of like you know see uh, you know because of all the <laughs> all of all the gay Broadway actors that I follow on Instagram when they go out and they see these other shows they get so excited to go see their friends in Beetlejuice or in King Kong or whatever mm-hmm. and yeah yeah I mean like you know underneath it if you probably had a conversation with them in real life it's not you know it's not breaking any new ground but at the same time like it's an industry that's allowing artists to do what it is that they love to perform um it's allowing people to be inspired and yeah it's it's uh you know and the other thing too i mean at the end of the day it is it is you know 
the reason why it's commercial is because it's a business and it's oh, yeah. a lot of money to put all that stuff oh, together. Yeah. So to yeah. put a sandworm in the middle of a Broadway theater, that's a lot of money. Yeah, yeah no, so, and ab- absolutely. And that well, and that's the thing where, you know, that's where some of this conversation can get a little elitist because it's like, yeah, okay, mm-hmm. they're obviously trying to make a, you know, a grab for middle America, you know, and to, and to keep... Broadway, you know, rejuvenated and to keep people going and seeing, you know, these sorts of blockbuster type shows so they can support other work, you know, I mean, I I don't know. I mean, I, I just feel like, and maybe it's also like we're seeing a lot for people our age, you know, around our age, like I feel like my childhood keeps getting like pulled yeah. up, you know? Yeah, yeah. So of course it's a draw if you make Beetlejuice a musical. People, yeah, they're now in their mid-30s and 40s who fucking loved Beetlejuice may pay to go mm-hmm. see that show and be really like, this is awesome and how fun and how cool to see something that I loved very dearly kind of get a new lease on life, <laughs> afterlife, you know? Um, I, I think it's cool and that's why, you know, I don't know. It's it's an, it's another one of those like weird conversations because it's like, you know, what is the function of art, you know, and what what is what do we consider art and what don't we consider art? You know, mm-hmm. is SpongeBob musical art? Is Beetlejuice a musical art, you know, or is it not because it's not based on Yes and yes. Yes know? and yes, it absolutely is. Yeah, absolutely. But it's also a business that makes up for a large yeah. percentage of New York's economy. Yeah. And and the arts in general make up a large percentage of America's economy. Absolutely. Uh, so it's a business and also like it's art. Mm-hmm. Whether it's good or bad art, that is what we get to talk about. Yeah. But it is art. Yeah. I did like what you kind of said uh, about like the high schools and things like that because that was one of the things that I really did love about like Hairspray the Musical mm-hmm. was, mm-hmm. you know, John Waters like it's awesome because now the fat girl and the drag queen will be the stars of the show. Uh-huh. You know, when this makes its way eventual way to high schools, the freaks will be the people who are cast. And uh-huh. I always thought that was kind of a beautiful thing, you know, and so those sorts of things like, you know, the one thing that I did, I will say approvingly of Beetlejuice the musical, listening to, you know, the cast recording, you know, was its kind of frank look at death and looking at the loss of a parent, you know, as Lydia, you know, they've kind of given her a story where her mother has died rather than, you know, that's not really answered in the original movie. You just know Delia, you know, Catherine O'Hara's character yeah, is her yeah. stepmother. And they give some really nice moments of talking about death and talking about what that what it means to live and what it means to lose a parent and I I did think that was interesting yeah and something that you know yeah that's been told before <laughs> no I'm sure <laughs> but yeah I'm sure you know you know so but just to get a little so I don't like piss all over the whole thing well you know? I mean we can also <laughs> piss all over the whole thing it's okay to have opinions feel your feelings Joshua <laughs> fight, fight, fight 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 well, as somebody who was obsessed with Little Shop, or I mean with uh, Beetlejuice, well, and Little Shop Before, which we'll get into, but Beetlejuice, I was a huge fan as a yeah. kid, so, you know, I was excited for it to be a musical. How did you feel about five white people singing Deo ah! Tony's? Yeah, it was also very off-color. Very off-color. Yeah. I'm yeah. like, how do you, how do you even a do It very that, much alive to Harry Belafonte, probably was yeah. like, so what? <laughs> Yeah. But, you know, if they would have based all the music on that kind of vibe, like, that would have been fine. Again, it's like, you know, or we could have had, like, more of a conversation. It just, it comes out of, like, nowhere. <laughs> like, mm. we've got, like, the usual, like, ah, we're in a musical yeah. day. And we're all going to have this affected accent. Yeah. It was very strange. Yeah. It was very uh, awkward. Yeah. Yeah. No, yeah. I know. <laughs> there was lots of problems. I'm just saying, like, hey, cool. You know. Yeah. Anyway, so I give zero fucks about Beetlejuice on Broadway. That's all right. Yeah, I will not listen to the soundtrack. Yeah, 
I will not buy a ticket. The original cast I will recording, not lose you sleep mean? Over it. <laughs> <laughs> You're correct. The original yeah. cast recording. Thank you. Yes. I just fight, had to fight, do my fight, due fight. diligence and listen to fight, it just fight, as a fan. Fight. Yeah, for real. Uh, no, that's totally fine. Anyways, all right. So on that note, we are going to take a real quick break, and we're going to be back to actually dive into something real. <laughs> Do you like pins? I love pins. Do you love gay shit? I love gay shit. Do you love horror? I now love horror, thanks to the show and thanks to you. Then you are going to love Stephen McDermott's incredible Monster Boys collection. It's marries all of those wonderful things together with an irreverent sense of humor and awesome art, sexy as fuck, uh deliciousness very delectable very juicy very not for maybe not for the children but for the legendary children yes yes for the legendary children. for the legendary children. there's a lot of penises yes and asses and you know uh, various various things um and you know what no uh no queer horror con outfit is uh um, is fully equipped unless it has a Stephen McDermott Monster Boys pin, to be quite honest, you know, in my personal humble opinion. I agree. And so right now, if you go to stephenmcdermott.com and use the code FRIGHTSCHOOL2K19, you get three bucks off of each of his new Monster Boys packs. They're blind bags, but every single one is a winner. They're all incredible. You want to check them out and you want to jump on this deal quick because it expires on June 29th. So you want to move fast. Yes. And this is volume four of the Monster Boys. The first three volumes, volume one is might still be a little bit available. Uh, but this one is for the new volume, volume four, which is camping, camping cryptids, not camping, camping yeah, that's cryptids, uh, which is basically cryptozoological monsters that have been given a playful pinup twist. So we have Asquatch, uh, Chupacabro, the Cockness Monster, the Homo Mothman, and then a special fifth one that I may or may not have gotten that I will not even say to you because you need to go and get yourself one. That's um, right. With code Fright School, 2K... I was going to say, yeah, something else. (laughs) (laughs) Bright School 2K19. uh, Three bucks off. Incredible artist. Follow him at Stephen Draw on Instagram and then Stephen McDermott, M C D E R M O T T dot com for all of his amazing artwork. It's hilarious and sexy, like I said, and wonderful. And you can right now listen to this. Uh, show you get your own private discount code. Yeah, get and it's exclusive only for Fright School listeners. And let me tell you, if you get one, please make sure to tag us on Instagram. Tag Steven. Let him know that we sent you. And uh, we will see you at the cons with your beautiful flair. Yes. Yes. All right. Welcome back. Yes. Come make sure on, you... Make sure you do some shopping at Stephen McDermott. Yes. Uh, com. We'll do that. For his lovely uh, Monster Boys main candy. Yes, yes. All right. So we are back to discuss one of my childhood obsessions. Little Shop of Horrors. I was going to say a man's name, but I don't know. Rick Moranis, Ellen Green, <laughs> Tisha Campbell, Tisha Arnold. Arnold. Yes. 
All the people. Vincent Gardenia. Steve Martin. Jesus. It's just, it's everybody. John Candy. I was going to say Paul Dooley, but Jim not, Belushi. not in the... Uh, um, well, we'll Christopher talk about that. Guest. Ugh, we'll talk about so that, many right? names. So many names. Names, names, names. So I also grew up with Little Shop of Horrors. Um, yeah. I quite like literally grew up with Little Shop. Uh, I saw the original Off Broadway 1982 production, yeah. uh, which is down was downtown at the theater that then Blue Man Group or Stomp moved into. One of those, I think Blue Man. I think the Blue Man Group was the there. Orpheum Theater in New yes. York on yeah, July yeah, yeah. 27, yep. 1982. It yeah. opened. Yeah. <laughs> Presented by the WPA Theater. Uh, David Geffen. The Orpheum, I think, was it's I. Maybe it's Stomp. Uh, one of those. Anyway. Um, Bring into noise, bring into funk. No, I'm kidding. No, That's something no, totally that was different. down to the public. But um, <laughs> so anyway, I remember that as one of the my like very early tactile memories of theater, um, and not necessarily per the show, but I remember that at the very end, the curtain call, I, um, everyone's clapping, clapping, clapping. Everyone takes bows. They sing, "Don't feed the plants." At the end, and out of nowhere. Like all of these vines fall from the ceiling. Yeah. And it made the entire audience like jump together in one breath. And maybe I was like sitting on my dad's lap or something. I don't, I don't know. But I remember all of us like, oh, like, cause none of us were expecting it. Now, of course it's like gimmick with that show and we expect it. But at the time it had not been done, you know? So it was, that is like one of my earliest theatrical memories. That's amazing. And it comes from this show. And so I was born in 79. This show came out in 82. I was not much more than like three, four years old, you know? So this was like really one of my first trips to the theater. That is really, really cool. Mm -hmm. I'm totally jealous. I wish I could have seen such a thing. Yeah. But I was still two years away from being born. Two years and six months (laughs) from being born when this opened. So, um, yeah. I'm sorry, Hemlock is being so bad. Usually he'll chill. Hemlock, step off. Yeah, he needs to step off. Step off. Step it off. Uh, so, yeah, Little Shop of Horrors. If you have not seen uh, even you know the musical, at least most of us are familiar with the uh, 1986 film adaptation directed by Frank Oz, starring Rick Moranis and Ellen Green, who originated uh, Audrey uh, in that production that mm-hmm. you got to see. Uh, so tells the story of a man and uh, his man-eating plant and uh, the hysterical antics they get into. But also like the the like depths that someone would go to for acceptance and love and to be liked and all of that. Like yeah. it's that's it's a beautiful commentary on all of that, you know. So Joe, we'll start as always with. Uh, your thoughts. Obviously, you've seen this before. I have seen this before. And you you showed me this. Have you before. seen the Roger Corman? No, I've not seen the Roger uh, Corman. We'll so. watch that too. It'll be fun. Yeah, it's, we should. It's should. dark and it's quick too. It's a shorty film, right? Yeah, yeah. It, it moves pretty fast, mm-hmm. and you can kind of see the you know, the groundwork that you know b- would eventually become yeah, the yeah, eighty two yeah. uh, musical. Uh, did you watch it with me for the first time though? Yeah. Really? Yeah, I That's sure did. Mind boggling. Yeah, I mean, l- especially for theater queers. Little well, shop me, is usually. Let me put it this way: I probably saw it on TV, like in the background, because I'm because I have like some memories of being like, "Is that plant talking?" <laughs> when I was a kid, but you know, I've never truly seen it, and I wasn't even fully aware of the of the music of Little Shop. Um, there was this. 
this is a really specific thing, but there used to be this show on the Disney Channel that was about a group of like teenage EMTs. Does this or does this sound familiar to you? Are we? Do you know what I'm talking about, Miss Wendy? So there was no this. No idea. What you're there was about. this. Group. I would not trust a ragtag team of teenage. EMTs. So it was. It's based on a true story. So apparently, in this town, there were these high school students who were EMTs, and they turned it into a Disney Channel like <gasps> medical procedural. It's like fucking Syed, um, Adnan Syed. He was like some kind of like student. Yeah, so it was kind of like that. Yeah. yeah. So so the thing about this particular show is that in one of the episodes of the sh- I can't even remember in one of the episodes of this show the uh, this girl is like really enamored with this boy, but then a new girl comes to town and she new girl in town. exactly. Sorry. So she's a new girl <laughs> comes in town and she's taking all of the boys' attention, but. And like it's like, oh yeah, sing that song that you know. And then she goes and she does the, you know, a gliss on the piano. And then it's all she starts singing "Little Shop of Horrors." Oh. <laughs> and I was like, "Ha! Huh, I never heard that song before." And then many years later, I realized that oh crap, she did. That's a real musical. Like that yeah, was yeah. a real thing. But that's like this is one of those moments that's like Slumdog Millionaire in my head, like going back and that's literally my first time ever a knowing that this show existed and then seeing the full production our full um a full movie with you and then okay. seeing it with you at one of like our not horror days but our musical days well we then, had a horror musical day where we watched like little shop and sweeney todd and so yeah so we had one of those yeah. but it was that, that was the first time i saw the film okay. and then joe said to me Whoa. hey would you be interested in coming on fright school and talking about little shop and i was like would i <laughs> Yes, I would. Motherfuckers, yes. I was like, this is really the only time we're going to get uh, Wendy on the show. Because I am not a horror queen, y'all. No, it's all right. I'm not, but I live and die for Little Shop of Horrors. It has always been my favorite, like one of my favorite, favorite musicals. Um, mainly because like with material that's so different dark and so camp the soundtrack the like the music behind this show is so joyous you know with like the like joyous major key pianos Mm -hmm. and like the doo-wop the 60s riff the urchins like all of the music is music you want to sing along to and then you realize you're singing about murder (laughs) and you're like oh (laughs) about a yes oh wait about a plan convincing a man to commit murder wait there's murder yeah um so yeah, so like I said, I've been familiar with the stage version, uh, and then when the '86 movie came out, I was like obsessed. And every time it was on TV, I was like, "Huh." Oh, you know. Did you see it in the theater? I don't remember seeing the movie in the movie theater. Okay, I saw the '82 show off Broadway. I saw the revival when it came to Broadway in the early 2000s. Yeah, with Carrie Butler and Hunter Hunt, or something. Yeah, Hunter yeah, Foster. Yeah, yeah. Hunter yes. Foster. Yeah. And, then, um, and then I saw that tour um, and I've seen lots of regional productions of it, obviously. But yeah, um, but yeah no. I've just, the movie has always been my favorite, mainly because I just think Rick Moranis is a goddamn gem. Oh, yeah. He is. He's, He's just so the perfect. fucking best. Like, there's yeah. nothing better than Rick Moranis playing this like sad nerd who you yeah. just want to root for. You root for him the whole way, even That's though true. he's murdering people. Yeah. This is one of those films that they should not remake. 
No, I think no. it would be no. silly. Yeah, no, absolutely yeah. not. Yeah, we we talk about that every now and then. It's like, is this a film that they could remake, or could could we benefit from a mm. remake of a film uh, of this film now? Or are we telling the story? And no, this one is it's no, it holds up and it's perfect as it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I feel that way. And you know, and they would try to like do CGI or do other shit, and it's like you know, it's no. perfect. Just Let it lie. Leave it alone because the look of it too is something that you know when yeah. we watched it again tonight, like really jumps out at you that it is filmed. Almost theatrically, yeah. which is characteristic of a lot of Frank Oz Muppet stuff, you know, like yeah. it's filmed on, uh, you know, like in that Sesame Street look, the like streets of New York that yeah. look dirty, grimy, but you know, it's a set, wink, wink, right? It's very tongue in cheek. Um, so like all of the gritty, grimy streets of New York or this like urban city that we have unnamed, but there's a skid row, you know, um, and the downtown and the uptown, like all of that stuff like makes sense in the common American vernacular. Like we all have a dirty downtown and like an expensive uptown and and those kinds of themes were universal. So to kind of theatricalize them and then yeah. put them on film, the look of it was so timeless. And even though now we're looking at, you know, Audrey too, that puppet, you know, and we can look at that in detail, especially with like HD now. And yeah, like, I mean, oh, that yeah. so looks so fake. Oh, I can see that that's all like foam and silicone and, you know, and that's plastic and wired and whatever. But like, it's still so damn charming. Absolutely. It's perfect. Yeah. And if they CGI'd it, it would look like crap. Oh, like, yeah. The yeah. Part of the yeah. beautiful like mastery of this film was that that was engineered. That was, that was manipulated by human hands and that was operated by puppeteers and that's yeah. the magic of it up to 60 at, at, mm-hmm. at the at the, uh, at yeah. the largest yeah. yeah there is something to be said for that you know that's like you know obviously in the first segment we were talking a little bit about like Beetlejuice when you look at the original Beetlejuice movie because he was trying to do like this stop motion sort of thing uh-huh. it even though it looks ridiculous you like that's part of the the charm of it yeah. you know and the same thing here and when you go and see the musical that's why you know, there's a local production here now doing it. And I really do not like when they don't use a puppet for the plant. You know, mm-hmm. sometimes they do like, you know, oh, we'll have a bunch of like vines and shit. And then we just have a live singer on stage mm-hmm. dressed in some Which they do of... a lot when it's like Little Shop in concert. If it's Little Shop in concert, Absolutely. like they did with Josh Radner a while ago, like sure. Oh, with, with Jake Megan Hilty. Hall and oh, no, 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 Megan no, Hilty no. and Josh Radner did it at the yeah. Kennedy Center. Oh, wow. In, a, in concert. Oh, that and been then cool. they had someone live singing the plant, you know? Yeah, that makes so sense. So things like that kind of call for for it when they revised it yeah. with with Jake Gyllenhaal and Ellen Green came back again like I think they had someone singing the part yeah, of the plant yeah, again did. too yeah. but traditionally big, on stage in a jacket. production of Little Shop it is meant to be done with puppet yeah and there's something to be said for that like it's fun and goofy and you go and we all just agree like that's a puppet on stage not some dude operating it with mm-hmm. an offstage voice like I, I I appreciate that kind of part of it and in, in, in the movie yeah it, if they were going to remake it, it's gotta, it's gotta have, be an in-camera, you know, practical effect. Mm-hmm. You know, it just, it just really works. You know, for this. Um, so, oh, there was something I was going to ask. Uh, oh, I know. So for you, Wendy, who's you know, you, you grew up in New York, uh-huh. okay, so you've spent a lot of time in the in the musical theater uh-huh. world. I'm curious what you think of the intersection of horror and musical. Like, why? Because some of the most successful musicals, at least in in, in my 
view have been ones that that kind of play with horror. You know, Rocky Horror, Sweeney Todd, Little Shop of Horrors. Mm-hmm. Um, there's been Assassins, the musical, mm-hmm. which I, I know isn't horror horror, but it's you know adjacent. It's uh, macabre. It's yeah, dark. yeah, yeah. You know, there's yeah. you know, I'm curious what you think of like those intersections. Why horror? Why does horror work so well on stage in a musical? <laughs> I think the answer to that again is that like art is art, right? Mm. You know, and that it, we get to put anything to music or not to music. We get to have something as a stage play and or or set to like the beautiful music of Ashman and Ashman and Mencken and like, oh, yeah. you know, however we want to tell a story, a story is a story. We the audience get to decide if that's good or bad, right? Um I, the answer to that is I don't know. Okay. I, I like I. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I think. I think that there's something for everyone in that. Really, you know. Well, what draws that, you to Little Shop? What 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 in particular do you think? Do you think? For, for me, you? it was it was the music. It was yeah. the puppet. I have always had an obsession with like puppetry. From you know, I think as especially as a theater educator i think that some of our earliest teachers are puppets you know when we look back at like sesame street mr rogers like all of our generation we were taught by puppets and for a lot of those for a lot of people of our generation who may or may not have been like latchkey kids a lot of those puppets were our caregivers and our safe spaces and they taught us things and lessons and so they were the people who watched us when like before mom and dad got home you know, and I think there's something sacred in that, that like we can trust an inanimate object who talks to us and loves us. And like, and so I've always had to eat us. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, then I think it makes yeah, sense yeah, yeah. that like as as I grew older and I developed a sense of humor and or irony or what have you, when I saw this puppet that was eating things instead of being really scared of it, I thought oh, that is cool. And look at that. And how do they do that? You know, it was more of that kind of fascination. It was also the music, too. I mean, around this time, this is 86, that Little Shop came out. And then four years later, three years later, Ashman and Mencken wrote The Little Mermaid that came out. Yeah, you know? two years. Yeah, 88. Yeah, yeah 88, 89 it came out. And so, yeah. like, their brand of musical really soundtracked my life. Very, very much so. Um, And, and so I think again, like the joy in their, their music and the book and lyrics, um, it is funny Hmm. because it's juxtaposed against murder and horror, which, and I don't know if I'm answering your question at all. No, it's okay. Yeah. Yeah. No, (laughs) you want to talk, no, but you bring up a very interesting point. Sorry, Joe, were you going to say something? Well, I was going to, I was just going to say that. I mean, I think that, I just think about Sweeney Todd, right? Where it's two, it's over the course of two songs, but it's um, th- when they finally uh, the epiphany and then Little Priest, right? Mm-hmm. In Sweeney Todd, where it's like you have Little Priest, which is this like kind of bouncy waltzy number yeah. that's lit- that's talking about what they're like. You're the eating whole, a person. You're eating a person yeah. and making light of it, and I feel that you know we. It's a way for us to, uh, you know, and Angela not, Lansbury's singing it to exactly. you. Exactly, so Angela love Lansbury, it. Yeah. And she, you know, and it's it's one of those ways to. Uh, there's a there's a I think there's just inherent darkness that people need, like they experience the way that they can experience that is through um, 
is through brevity and like having this like it's priest have a little pre and like this very light bouncy and they are making such light of it but you know as you find out as the course of that show goes on you know what actually happens and what's shown i feel like in in that regard it's just a way for us to kind of to be allowed to experience those horrors using music to work in that way. I mean, I think about like um, Next to Normal, which uh-huh. is this very heavy, like, you know, heavy script that's about um, like a woman's descent into madness with depression and like how to get out of that with a family. Like it doesn't all need to be dark like that. It can be, um, you know, there's always, there's something to be said about like sad or heavy songs with like a beat. I mean, like you think about uh, Tom Jones with Delilah, you think about like all these like doo-wop songs where like someone dies in a car crash and it's made light of, and it's a way for us to tell these stories, but to also yeah. be, you know, a light about it and yeah. make it palatable and digestible. Cause at yeah. the end of the day, if you're setting something to music that is horror, you still want an audience to enjoy it. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. You know, and to and and have so it resonate. It's finding that balance between what your audience will listen to, enjoy, say good things about, and possibly come back for more, you know? Yeah. As opposed to, Oh my God, I want to slip my wrists at the end of this and walk out and never see theater again yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. no i really enjoyed i really liked your view of the of the puppetry yeah because when i do when i think back you know i wasn't i mean i i remember watching sesame street i i i enjoyed it you know as a kid i loved mr snuffleupagus he was awesome uh but for me the real like puppetry stuff that i really loved was the letter people do you remember uh-huh. the letter people yeah and they were kind of creepy though yeah. they lived in like this black cave world yeah. and they were really kind of creepy and i used to love that show like that definitely taught me how to read that was the reading program when i was growing up uh-huh. was uh, was uh, was the letter people and learning words and letters through them and through that system of learning however that works in education I don't know what you call that but the pedagogy Mm -hmm. of the letter people Uh, so I like that I like that (laughs) point a lot so much excuse me wildly gesticulating Um, what Uh, but yeah so it's like I yeah loved them growing up the letter people Mm -hmm. definitely so puppets yeah definitely informed a lot of our early lives and then I liked your connection with the little mermaid too, because that is one of the few Disney films that I love Uh so much. And I didn't know until I was much older that Howard Ashman and Alan Menken had written that. So let's talk about Alan Menken for a second. Cause he has become a very, very, very rich man for writing the same song like four (laughs) times over. <laughs> yeah, there was a joke. Um, I part was of your world somewhere that's green. Yeah, right. it's yeah, like yeah. all the, 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 the same, same. Yeah. the same song. Um, it's basically all the same melody that he's just written mm. a bunch of different ways. And yeah. like, kudos to you. It's all music that a generation has loved for years and years and years. Absolutely. Um, and R.I.P. Yeah. Howard Ashman. Yeah, just throw that out but there. then also too, I think there's darkness in the way that they've written. Also, like Howard Ashman died. Um, the last piece of music that he famously wrote was for Beauty and the Beast. Mm. You know, and when the they were writing that music, Ashman was dying of AIDS, and so the whole like 
uh, hunt for the beast and kill the beast and and like the witch hunt for him was the persecution of gay people. And they wrote that through that lens. So I think like this joyous music that we've come to love was really written from a very dark, horrific place of pain. Yeah. Um, so I think tale as old as time. Exactly. There has to be like <laughs> darkness and light with all of it, you know. But yeah. No, absolutely. And we love Faustian tales, you know, as humans. We love people, you know, selling their souls and getting what they deserve in the end, you know. Because um, yeah, I'd say that the Little Mermaid has that, you know, obviously she trades her family and her whole life. For that D. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. To be on land and doesn't work out for her. Uh, or <laughs> I mean, she that, took a big old risk on that, man. Yeah. Digmatized. You know, and obviously in Little Shop, it's even more plain because he's willing to murder people to get the girl and 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 success and fame comes with that you know so it's it's interesting you know if i guess so to put the the uh, fright school lens on this uh (laughs) you know when we want to analyze little shop of horrors for you know obviously i think earlier we talked a little bit about you know race relations while we were watching it you know obviously the plant is voiced by Levi Stubbs from The Four Tops, mm-hmm. in the film at least. And, um, you know, a lot of the music being sort of doo-wop, very influenced by R&B, black culture. You know, there is a conversation there in Well, I the think invasion. before we have that conversation, oh, yeah. I think we have to look at this through the lens of Frank Oz. You know, oh. Frank Oz directing this piece was the first, this was the first feature film that he did that veered away from the world of Jim Henson. You know, he was like the very first, first, first feature that he directed was dark crystal, um, which Henson like strong armed him into doing. Um, but this was the first feature he took on of his own accord. Right. And yes, Henson was still attached with the puppetry and all of that. But Frank Oz, when you look at it through, through that, lens that this is the voice of Miss Piggy <laughs> directing this movie. <laughs> but also this is the voice of Yoda. Yoda. Right, yeah, yeah. And Grover and Bert and you know and Oscar the Grouch and all this man has played all of these different, you know, characters and lived in all of these these different bodies and mindsets, you know. So so him taking this on um, I, that always kind of sticks in my head when, you know, like later as an adult, when I watch something like Little Shop, I think, oh my God, yeah. When you know the kind of mastermind and the genius behind it, that adds a new layer of it to me. Um, he also then had a very, very acute understanding of how to approach this film because he said if it went too far camp, then mm-hmm. the audience wouldn't buy it, right? Yeah, but if it mm-hmm. went too far the other way, if he didn't have the right people to do it, then it would read as melodrama. And so he really needed to cast the Rick Moranis and cast the Ellen Green and cast the Levi Stubbs to get the right balance. And he did mm. some like nationwide search to find the three urchins, you know? So he had a very clear vision of who he wanted in these roles. Yeah. So now cutting to your conversation on... on the 
I'm I'm making a gesture with my hands. You know what I'm talking Racial. The race relations of, race relations. of this well, movie just... and the kind of undertones that this speaks to. Yeah. Like, was that a part of Frank Oz's intention? Well, and well, that's always the thing in this show. Like, you know, how much of like our work is um, like uh, anthropology, mm-hmm. you know, and, and trying to view it within that lens. You know, uh, it, the, it's set in the 60s. You have the, you know. Well, it's not. Or the vibe is. Yeah, the vibe is a been. vague 60s. Yes. Yeah, yeah, it's a very vague 60s Like duo. it's a vague New York. Yeah. yeah. See, yeah. and it's so funny that you say it's New York because from the moment I've like listened to the recordings and seen the th- and seen the movie, I think it's Los Angeles. That is so funny to me. Yeah, I think Skid it's Row. like because of Skid Row because there is a very famous like people have died on this Skid Row Skid Row in Los Angeles. So I think it's like from that perspective of like a, a very grimy downtown Los Angeles. I don't read New York in it at all. I think that. I read it as New York because obviously that I grew up in New York. Mm-hmm. And so for me, that was the city, the only city I knew. Yes. The city that made sense to me. So when I see the businessmen walking around downtown going, oh, like mm-hmm. I, I was like, oh, that's what my dad does on his way to work. Like yeah. that was very clearly that New York to me, you know? Um, but also I think it read like New York to me because it was dark. It was darker mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and New York or I'm sorry, Los Angeles, regardless of how dirty it might be, always feels bright yeah, mm-hmm. and sunny to me. Um, and so, and there is that one guy who's one of the the Skid Row, you know, ensemble who's dressed like obviously dressed like this like zoot suit guy, mm-hmm. and I'm just like, yeah, perfect. Like this He's reads LA. as this reads as Los Angeles yeah, to me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I mean, but I then never again, thought of it like that. I think it was just like I think again that ambiguous city that has that downtown for yeah, you. Has yeah, has that downtown, that uptown. I mean, at that time when I first saw it, I hadn't been to New York yet, so mm-hmm. I didn't have a frame of reference. Yeah. Um, the city, quote unquote, for me was San Francisco, not mm-hmm. a, not New York. Uh, changed drastically now, but... Yeah. But yeah, um, on the racial, on the racial politics... Identify as you will, friends. Yes. On the racial <laughs> politics of it all, I mean, again, like, as Joshua said, like, we, we can, we can read things into it, but you have to... You also have to consider that, like, the music that is being used, the style is something that originated from, like, black culture, from black people, black artists. And so it would be disingenuous to not have, like, those people there especially like so such fixed people so like the urchins and um and to have them at that ensemble and then the voice of the, the even voice in of the, the naming of the the chef of uh, yeah. the urchins of yeah. chiffon ronette and crystal yeah the, like, the three, three girl, girl groups, groups yeah. of the yeah yeah, yeah. yeah, well, and they had that whole conversation where you know mushnik is saying like don't you want to better yourselves and they're like there is no bettering ourselves. You yeah. know, this yeah. this is our life. This is what's when we, you're from we have here, no choice. No yeah. 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 Maybe you have that option, yeah. but we don't have the option. And just the idea, like, you know, uh, you know, when you look at the the um, horror noir documentary that I, we brought up, you know, on this show before, you know, where they talk about, oh, there's plenty of black people in sci-fi. We're the aliens. We're the other, we're the monster, we're this encroaching thing on suburbia. So again, not to, you know, it, it's just one reading. Of, of Little yeah. Shop sure, of Horrors. Sure, when you sure. have the plant and it's being, you know, one, the plant is voiced by a person of color. Two, there is the idea that the plant is a woman, is a female plant. It's a, Audrey, too. Yeah, it's a mean green mother from outer space. It has 
you know, it, it, yeah, yeah, it's female. So it's this whole changing nature of like, you know, suburban, like, you know, this encroaching of like women's empowerment and black power, you know, all kind of coming together again. It, it, this is just, since that's what we do on the show, we're just analyzing it. Yeah, and <laughs> then just, also to look where, at it, like, what's with the space. The big know? I want song at the top of the show yeah. is Get Me Out of Here. Yeah. And everybody's saying, like, help me find a way to get out of Skid Row. Yeah. You know, so, and <laughs> namely the two white people wanting to get out of Skid yes. Row. That um, they're stuck there. That they're stuck there. That they're stuck there, but also that it's be- like they, they're not supposed to be there, mm. but they should be. Like, whereas the urchins have like already resigned themselves to this is this, this is, is where we life. live, this yeah. is our life, mm-hmm. and it's these two white people who are like, no, we actually deserve to be somewhere uh-huh. else because we, you know, for whatever reason, we 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 need some way to get out of it. Yeah, and then you have you know with the plant who is this voiced by this uh, voiced by a man of color, voiced by a black man. Um, you know, saying, I can actually give you this and wouldn't you like that? I can make you better. I can get you out of here. Um, but it's know. also the downfall. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Society as they know it. Um, and But I mean, it's even in the lyrics, you know, the lyrics like speak to a lot of classism, especially in Skid Row, you know, where it mm-hmm. talks about we're all marching, you know, we've got to go uptown to work, mm-hmm. to go back to our lives down here, but our bosses are jerks and they take all the money and they take, you know, all of our labor. They break is, your Heart. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. You know, so it's it's an excellent examination, I think, uh, you know, and a reflection of like, you know, just a particular time of classism and capitalism, you know, and I mean, that's why I think it remains relevant. Mm-hmm. You know, I think people still go and see this stage show, no matter if it's done at some local high school or if it's at, you know, some regional theater or touring, you know, it still resonates because it speaks to those, the still the pursuit of the American dream and at what cost, mm-hmm. you know, what, what, what are you willing to sacrifice? Are you willing to kill it? someone to get ahead? Yeah. 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 And the thing is every day, you know, the reality of, of our lives are people do die every day for the cost of what we have, whether they're in some other country building the shit that we, you know, use every day or willing to go to war or willing to, you know, be in that line Mm -hmm. of fire, whatever it means, you know, metaphorically, you know, they sacrifice so that some of us can, you know, remain, um, living and, you know, leading some sort of luxurious life, you know, especially those way above us mm-hmm. <laughs> while the rest of us slog away, you know? Uh, so yeah, I don't know. I, I, I do think it, it, it speaks to a lot of that experience, you know, without being too, I mean, it's a fun show. I mean, obviously we don't want to like mm. <laughs> buried into too much analysis, sure. but, but you I know, mean, it's as fair. a Faustian tale, it's yeah. definitely like subtext that a lot of people don't stop to think about, yeah. You know, the things that are right right there smacking you in the face. Yeah. It's, there. yeah. it's there. It's the messages that they're, you know, hopefully whatever meaning they're getting from it with, you know, out being hit over the head with it. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to talk about how, so famously this, uh, the theatrical release of this film mm-hmm. did not have, uh, had a different, had a different ending than what was originally filmed. So the ending that was originally filmed was the stage show ending yes. where everyone dies. Yeah. Everyone dies. Everyone dies. The plants no take over. Ending. Yes. Plant, yeah. yeah. So it didn't test well with test audiences and Frank Oz, again, be kind of masterfully understanding an audience, uh, 
he was quoted as saying, or I'm paraphrasing here, that um, theater and film are very different mediums. And in theater, an audience can believe that an actor will die and be okay with it because they'll still get to see them come out and take a bow at the end. In a film, when you've spent two hours falling in love with these characters and then you kill them off and you don't see them again... Uh, that's a very different kind of loss for that audience member. So because of that, it didn't test well. No, not And at so all. Frank Oz <laughs> made the call to go back in, reshoot a happier ending wherein the plant dies, Seymour and Audrey l- get to live happily ever after, regardless of their murders that they've committed. <laughs> Regar- yes, regardless of the murder that. And then there's committed. this like very tongue in cheek wink wink moment where like oh, but there's a little Audrey too in their gar- their happily ever after garden too, yeah. you know. So maybe it's still not the end of it. So yeah, yeah, it was. I mean, it's it's a good enough sacrifice, you know. But that's the thing, you know, when people are watching this, you know. And I buy both endings. Yeah, I totally. love them both. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, because this was the first time you'd seen the yeah, first full. Tonight, yeah, this was the first time I saw the original Frank Oz ending. Yeah. And <laughs> Joe was watching me watch the original. Oh, yeah, it was great because when I first saw it, when Joshua, when I was here at Joshua's and first saw it, we saw the th- uh, the original um, director's cut edition. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, this yeah. is great because I had seen the stage play up yeah. until that point. I had so. never seen the director's cut of this movie uh, that I've so loved and cherished for I wish my I got whole video life. of you doing it because it was, it was just yeah. like, I, I was, was like, wow. fascinated. And I honestly am like, why? Because I feel like if this movie were released today, 2019, audiences would be okay with the original director's cut. Do you think? Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I think so. This yeah. is a generation that has like gorged itself on Game of Thrones and, you know, is is now comfortable with the idea of like char- beloved characters sure. dying. So yeah. I think that that's why I look at it and I'm just like, why don't, like, I. I like adaptations as close as possible. You can take liberties, but I like them as close as possible. So mm-hmm. to change the ending mm-hmm. and seeing the theatrical release ending, I was like, mm, this doesn't make, it doesn't have the same kind of punch. Yeah. It's not as gritty and as dirty as the rest of the movie was, yeah. but like, I'm, I don't know. I'm okay with it. Cause I have such love for the yeah. theatrical release. And again, it's a Faustian tale. So he doesn't get yeah. his comeuppance for making the deal that he'd made. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. And that's kind of the thing. It's like the thread has to kind of run all the way through, you know? Yeah. I mean, but because they kind of tuck the planet at the end, you're like, ah, maybe, maybe it doesn't work so well yeah. out for him, you know? Yeah, and he's yeah, yeah. there, you know, foolishly living happily while this, you know, thing is growing in their garden. Um, yeah. I, you know, I don't know. Uh, there, because watching the 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 film, you know, Oren's not great, Mushnik's not great. It's easy to be like, you know, they got what they deserved, you know, whatever. It, you know, it's kind of like you know the same thing. We watch like Snapped, or we watch shows, we watch Trials, and we go, well, this wasn't a great guy. So I mean, she murdered him or not? I mean, whatever. He mm-hmm. didn't seem like you know what I mean. So we're very forgiving of, mm-hmm. of like that, you know. So I don't know. I don't know what test audiences in, in eighty six like. You know what? What were they thinking? You know, other than that, you know, they really did like these people and wanted to see them happily ever after. Well, in eighty six, they were suffering through Reaganomics, right? And mm-hmm. <laughs> they probably yeah. wanted their happy ending. I don't know. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. Maybe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. They know. wanted I them to get that a... house because they probably lost theirs. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I mean, anytime I hear Small Reaganomics. Small businesses were dying. Exactly. Who knows? I don't know. They were like, Every don't, time I see Reaganomics, I think of, uh, 
I think of Selena. <laughs> I think of Selena. Yeah. I think of uh, Como se dice Reyonomics and them losing the restaurant. <laughs> and like, yeah. Yeah. Basically. Were, weren't you born in the era of Reaganomics? I was born in 1989. Thank you. Oh, God damn you. <laughs> so the only... You child, <laughs> infant, you. Right. The only th- other thing that I sort of gleaned from this is, um, well, I mean, lots of things, but I, I guess something else I'd like to mention is I feel it's sort of like a cautionary tale on owning um, wild and exotic pets. <laughs> sure. <laughs> like I no, but seriously though. I there was there's a video going Careful. around exotic and it's a black man's voice. Careful. Well, that's true. Nah. But I mean, somewhere yeah. TJ's like, uh, careful. Right. <laughs> no, but black. it's like, I see these videos going around on Facebook where somebody has like some sort of baby monkey and they're like mm. taking care of them. Everybody's all happy and fine. I'm like, yeah, as soon as it grows up and it rips your fucking face off, like you need to watch out. Like, it, you know what yeah. I mean? But, or like the people with the, the, the lions and, or the pet jaguars. They're like, oh, it's my baby. And then, mm. you know, there's like this thing about, you know, them getting killed by their I have a animal. whole thing about people who think their pets are their children. Right. <laughs> um, you know, I mean, I, I say that knowing yes. that you have your child sitting in your knowing lap right now. No, I'm not under so any... No, 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 no. I'm not under any delusions that... You no, know, I, I also am aggravated by that when when friends are like, oh, but they're like my children. I'm like, no, 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 no. Let me call my sister... And um, let you talk to her while her children scream endlessly in the background and kill each other. Uh, and she's got to pay for all of that <laughs> to continue growing. <laughs> like, no, it's not the same at all. Um, plus, these motherfuckers aren't going to take care of us. They're not going to get jobs and, like, take care of me when I'm old. So, no, they're not like children <laughs> at all. <laughs> they're like lovely decorative pieces that I cuddle with. You know? And ruin your furniture. <laughs> and Yeah, exactly. Ruin things. I'm, they I do mean, not improve. What is it? They're, the, they're the most expensive things that are ruining the second most expensive thing. <laughs> Something yeah, like that. Yeah. yeah, in the house. Uh, but, no, I that was kind of stupid. But I just keep seeing, and I was, all week I knew we were going to do Little Shop Fours and I kept seeing these videos pop up and I was like, <laughs> I feel like there's, there's a commentary here. Like you need there, to be yeah. very careful when yeah. you buy, a, a, you know, some sort of wild animal to keep as a pet. Yeah, <laughs> It may eat you and what take over I? the world. <laughs> it might. It might. It might. Hamlet's going to eat you and take over the world. Um, He's too dumb. But Lilium, <laughs> the two of them together might accomplish Maybe. some shit. <laughs> One of the things that I, that I wanted to talk about that I noticed tonight that I had not noticed in like, you know, 30 years of watching this movie was the scene work in this movie. Oh, yeah. The moments that are not in song are really tender and lovely and real and not campy. No. Um, The moments where specifically Seymour and Audrey kind of are finding connections and are admitting things to each other and are trying to be vulnerable. Even when Audrey's having that moment with Oren and like, like I have handcuffs in my bag and like, you know, there are moments of like extreme like softness and vulnerability that then again, juxtapose against like the, the ridiculousness of the camp and the song and, you know, and the flying motorcycles and all of that. (laughs) 
Um, right. And that's something that, you know, is just a testament to how good the, storytelling, good storytelling, really good storytelling, the, the difference between um, a performance on screen and a performance on a stage. Because, mm-hmm. you have you know, stage, you have to play to the back. And mm-hmm. with this, it's like you can almost take that you can take that um, that skill of being a theatrical perf- live performer and then bring it in and, and really take a moment to be soft with it because yeah. the microphones will pick you up yeah. and you don't have to be too big. I mean, n- and this is not this is not a read against um, against uh, intimacy because you can definitely create intimate moments on, of on course, stage. Of course, of course. Absolutely, but yeah. like it's just th- th- between the two of them, you really sense the like the desire and the longing mm-hmm. and the love. Um, and that was also on the, upon this watching when you called attention to it and we started, I started paying attention to those moments between them. I was like, Oh yeah, this is just mm-hmm. great. And Ellen green just, just steals it yeah. every single time. Yeah. And even that scene up front with Mushnick and the urchins, you know, where he's checking them on, why aren't you in school? Like those are real, very real, maybe a little campy, but commentaries on, on the story and where we're at here as characters, you know, and what we need as characters. Um, and those are things that I, I never really stopped to notice because I was always just like, oh, my favorite song is coming up. Right. Oh, look at this costume change. Oh, look at their hair in this one. Oh, like, you know. Um, and can we talk about the costumes, the urchin costumes? <laughs> oh. Yeah, there's some beautiful I mean, work. Put it yeah. in your wardrobe. Put it yeah. in, put it in your I closet. will say this. Growing up, I never, ever, ever wanted to be Audrey. Like, growing up when you sing along with soundtracks and you pick your character that you want to sing along with and, like, I'm going to sing this track and I'm always going to be this girl on the soundtrack. And hey, right. Yeah. Um, and I do say soundtrack because it was the movie soundtrack. Yeah, 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 yeah. And so, like, I never, ever, ever sang along with Ellen Green. I was always like shifted to the urchins. I always wanted to sing like Tisha Campbell. I always wanted to sing like Tashina Arnold's and like Michelle Weeks and, and watching the movie with all of their costume changes, all of their hair changes. Like they just were so extra and it was production value at its finest really. And they were teenagers. They were teenagers. Michelle Weeks was 18 then Something like that. That's like 16, yeah. 17. Tashina Arnold oh, was 17 yeah, and yeah, Tisha yeah. Campbell was 16. Something like that. Like, they were very, very young. They were young. They were babies. Hmm. But amazing, amazing. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And then a lot of times, too, like people who aren't really familiar with like the pieces of that, like they they function as a Greek chorus. Yeah. Mm-hmm. In this storytelling facility. And it just makes it makes total sense because if you're doing it in this doo-wop style, you have the like the three girls and the, mm-hmm. you know, shoop doop in the background. The and, Skid Row Supremes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and the Greek chorus that is always aware of what's happening, sees yeah. what's yeah. coming, sees three steps ahead of things, but yeah. won't get involved. Um, is commenting know. on it the entire yeah. time. Uh, you know, and that's a facility that has been used since the Greeks, obviously, yeah. the beginnings of theater. Um, you know, and we we see these vehicles used in in modern day theater and in 1986. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah no, and it, it does. It's a very successful like functionality uh-huh. for their characters yeah. to play that. Oh, oh my gosh. I love this movie so much, and I have a, since I was a kid. I mean, totally that plant. obsessed. Mm-hmm. That plant. Yeah. That plant had a plan. Yeah. 
Huh, so good. We could just go on and we on. We could, and on. you know. I mean, there there's so much to unpack. It it it's it's a lot of fun. It's it's a good time. The music is great. It's you know, classic. Oh, fun fun fact. Yes, though, Mean Green Mother was the first song nominated for an Academy Award that had vulgarity in it. Mm. Yes, that had a curse word in it. Yeah, and they had to do Ever. like the TV friendly version for the eighty-seven uh-huh. Oscars. I know. Did it win the Oscar that year? No, uh, the um, take my breath or something uh, from Top Gun. Something probably that sounds it? about right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There was something that beat it out. Yeah. Oh God. Yeah, but that's the first Academy Award nominated song with vulgarity. Yeah. Thank you, puppetry. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you for bringing that to to the Academy. The puppet said, "Tough titty." Yes. Don't know shit. Yeah. <laughs> Tough titty. Love it. I'm here for it. Thank you, Levi Stubbs. So I was trying to find the, uh, what song won. We don't got time for you to sit here and read. Uh, no, read all of th- I got to read all of this. <laughs> you got to read all of that. <laughs> it would have been the 1987 Oscars if it came out in 86. Yeah. Mm. But it's fine. Someone will tell us on the internet. <laughs> right. Somebody, somebody is screaming right and, now. Yeah. Um, We'll work it out. Anyway. Anyways. Uh, so I was going to say that um, I love the Funko Pop set they released of all the uh, little oh, yes. horror characters. Uh-huh. Yes. You have them all. I, I don't Do have you? all of them. I don't have the baby. Ah, uh, you have. I have Orin, yes. Audrey, Seymour. What baby? The baby version of the plant. Oh. So they, had, they had three different versions of the plant. They had, they had like baby... They had Feed Me, and then they had, like, you know, Mean Green Mother, uh, over large size. Uh, we'll, we're going to make you take a picture with all of them. Don't okay, worry. I'm here for it. <laughs> I'm glad I'm wearing lipstick. Yay. <laughs> and for you, dear listener, if you are in L.A., or, well, what is it, Long Beach? Um, it was Take My Breath Away from Top Gun, by the way. Um, anyways... <laughs> That was a but, very long search. Sorry. It's a roundabout need to know moment. It's awful. Um, I do like that song. I like Berlin. I love her hair. Anyways, point is, <laughs> two-tone, black and white, it's fun. Point is, if you are at Midsummer Scream in Long Beach, it, August 3rd and 4th, come by our booth and you will have the opportunity to win and that's Audrey right to Funko Pop if you play trivia with us. Um, uh, so we are giving them away. We are. I also um, have... I know, right? Hey, mother fellas. <laughs> Give me one, god damn it. I, I've, been, I've been slowly, like, um, I've been slowly introducing uh, Wendy to the beauty uh, that is the Funko Vinyl. Yes. Uh, I know. Um, I gave her a Mr. Rogers with a trolley. Like, oh. it was great. Mm-hmm. That's there's a There's a Jim Henson with a Kermit coming out in August. Mm. Like, you, you know. Yeah, it's like you know Miss Wendy, you know, like wish list in her head of what's the thing that are going to be coming. <laughs> but so. the first time you gave me the Mister Rogers Funko, I said to Joe, I was like, "Wait, now is, do I need to be like Joshua with this and keep them in the box, <laughs> I'm or like, is no. this a thing that like I can take out of the box and like have displayed?" He was like, "You can do with it whatever you want." You I was can. like, "I'm not all the way real like Joshua, so I'm gonna okay. take it out the box." Somewhere up there, there's uh, there's an Exorcist Regan that has. Uh, uh, um, Linda Blair's signature on yeah, it. Um, okay. sign it. So, yeah. yeah. Damn. Yeah. I'm, ho- I'm going to take a few to Midsummer Scream, uh, hoping to get a few more signatures because that's fun. But first, they're going to give one to me. Right. <laughs> She's putting it out Jesus, there. Jesus, God. <laughs> I know. 
come on. Well, are we going to give one to Wendy? Or are you going to come and get one at Midsummer Scream? Right. You'll have I mean, to find out when we get there in August. We actually have some cool little shop stuff because, yeah, I'm, I've got those to give away. And then I have a complete set of the trading cards from uh, Tops from like 86, the little shop before his trading cards. What? I know, oh. right? Uh, what? <laughs> Who are gonna mop you? It's crazy. <laughs> I'm going to kick you in the nuts. Fight, 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 fight. She's going to take that. She's uh, going to steal. I'm going to pull your hair. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Yeah. Oh my goodness. So you guys fun. are awesome. You're awesome. Thanks, uh, Fright School. Yes, it's thank you real. for being here. Art time of the month, you can hear. When you guys release. We release on Mondays as well, but we, we release uh, around about the, every two weeks. About yeah. every two weeks. Um, usually, the, we do a, the way our format goes is that it's a, um, it's a general recap of the art that we've consumed and been watching over uh, for the month previous. So, for so example, at the top of the month, so we the review top of the, the month, month yeah. before. Oh, okay. And then yeah, we're yeah, doing yeah. our um, artist spotting episodes uh, two weeks after that, where we talk about, uh, where, we, where we actually interview um, artists who are working um, in various industries. Uh, our first one with uh, the fabulous Nick Cartel, mm-hmm. uh, who is currently the Jean Valjean on the national tour of Les Miserables. Uh, we have some other ones planned coming up. And then we also do, cool. if there's a major award show, we'll yeah. do um, that as well, too. A special. Yeah. So a we, special. the next artist we're spotting special. is coming up mid-July. Yes. And then... Um, yeah, yeah. And so we, at the top of July, we're going to be reviewing all of Pride Month and all of June. So if you want to, you know, we we have a full like year of episodes, and if you want to go back, and we got listen a full to year and a half, boo. The year and a half. Oh God, yeah, we got a year and a half now. And you can find Amazing. us on iTunes, yeah, iTunes, Spotify, Spotify, Instagram at Wait. Art Time of the Month. Yes, Art Time of the Month. Yes, and uh, yeah, like and subscribe us there too. Yeah. All that stuff. I dig it. I dig it. All right. Well, this has been so much fun. Again, like I said, this is one of my favorite movies still. Mine too. I was too. so obsessed with it. Thanks, I've had guys. it. I've had a VHS copy, a DVD Me copy, too. a Blu-ray copy. <laughs> I had ridiculous. a VHS. I'll see if I got you top tier. I had a VHS <laughs> copy of Little Shop of Horrors that I taped from the television. Oh, oh wow. <laughs> I hit record. And so it's complete with commercials from whatever 1990. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I wish I had a VCR cuz it'd be so much fun. It to would like be watch fun that. to go back and like watch commercials for like Walkmans and shit. Oh my not. god, from the oh, New York area with those commercials would like, be like, like the Long Island news exactly. Um <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, Hi, amazing. I'm O.J. Simpson. You know, it's going to be Jesus. that kind of stuff. Oh, I know. wow. Crazy. That's kind of amazing. So, yeah, we're going to have to, like, take <laughs> that out and watch that sometime. I don't know if I still have it. We'll see. Uh, that'd, anyway. be, uh, that'd be fun. Um, all right. Well, thank you, dear listener, for, uh, Thanks, for journeying with us on this uh, lovely Thanks, Little Shop discussion. Yes. Yeah. Little Shop of Horrors. Yay. Yay. Should All we right. should we end with a an appropriate song of uh, appropriate length so we don't get uh, sued for copyright infringement? Um, should we end with you know some sort re- of song? we didn't rehearse we didn't rehearse that. Do you want me to? Do you want me to? I mean, yes, do it. I mean, with choreo and everything. And yes, like, yeah, because uh, people can totally <laughs> see this. Yes, yes, yes. No, I'm good. I'm not gonna. It's I'm right. not gonna get into we, it. We don't all need right. to butcher it. It's fine. Well, no, not that we would. We would obviously kill it, but we don't want to do. it. We want to give thought yes. and have have a have a rehearsal for it's that. True. Yes, a rehearsal, <laughs> not a practice. A rehearsal. Uh, um, I will say this: we should have aired this episode on the twenty fifth. 
23rd day of the month of September. Yes. In an early year of a decade, not too long before our own, the human race suddenly encountered a deadly threat to its very existence. Very existence. And this terrifying enemy surfaced, as such enemies often do, in the seemingly most innocent and unlikely of places. Places. Anyway, anyway, that's what I got for you. If you wanted to wait and release this on September 23rd, I mean, God, you're welcome. You're welcome. <laughs> that's, but if not, that's generous. I'll allow it. It's summer. Enjoy. <laughs> we may we need to do a re-release. <laughs> yes, we'll do we'll do a director's cut. Um, all right. Thank you all so Thanks, much for guys. listening. Thanks for having me. Yes, thank you for being here with us, Wendy. Joe, my uh, <laughs> constant companion. Yeah. Uh, you have have yourself a good evening. Yes. And uh, avoid any bizarre uh, fly traps. Don't feed the plants. <laughs> yes. yes. Don't feed the plants. Don't feed them. Fright School is produced by Joshua Napier and Joe Farron. Our intro was edited by Davy Boy Productions. Our logo was designed by Jamie Channel Guzman. Episodes are edited and engineered by Joe Farron. Fright School is produced in terrifyingly beautiful San Diego, California. You're listening to the Geekscape Network. 